Amen. I want to read this morning from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28. We're getting close to your favorite chapter. We're so close. So close. We're going to read from chapter 28. And uh, before I do, let me give you a little bit of background uh, uh, from, from 27, because it applies to 28. Uh, 27, Jeremiah has gone out. He's gone into the town. He's in Jerusalem. And the Lord has told him, take this yoke and put it on your neck and walk around and say, hey, this is what's getting ready to happen to y'all. Uh, Babylon is, the king of Babylon is going to come in. He's going to overtake y'all. Y'all are going to be moved away uh, as captives to another country. So like wear this yoke in the presence of the people. Let them see it. Speak these words. So you could just imagine the scene. Jeremiah, it's like this yoke. You know, there's a yoke of oxen. They have this thing on his neck and he's walking around. And Jeremiah is the weirdest dude ever. Right? I mean, because if you're walking around with a yoke on your neck and you're saying these things, well, what is going on? So all of this happening, and he is prophesying that, listen, you're getting ready to haul into captivity. It's going to last 70 years. Uh, you're going to serve the king of Babylon. You're going to serve Nebuchadnezzar. You're also not just going to serve him, but you're going to serve his son, and you're going to serve his grandson. In other words, it's going to take some time. You're gonna, you're, you're, before you come back to Jerusalem, uh, it is going to be some generations. And then he gives this warning of saying, listen, also be prepared because there's some other false prophets that are getting ready to speak words that they're going to say are from the Lord, but they're not from the Lord. That is the scene in which we pick up in chapter 28. And in chapter 28, the first words that we speak are from another prophet. This is not Jeremiah speaking. This is another prophet called Hananiah. And he says this. So, Keep that in mind. As we're saying this, this is not Jeremiah's words. This is Hananiah prophesying to Jerusalem about what he believes the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, I will bring back all of the temple's treasures that King Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon. And I will bring back uh, Jerokin and Jerokum, king of Judah, and all of the other captives that were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now remember, he's saying this while Jeremiah's wearing this yoke. And this prophet's saying, listen, I'm going to take this off, I'm going to break it, I'm going to do it in two years. Jeremiah now responds. Jeremiah responded to Hananiah, as I stood there in front of all of the priests and all of the people at the temple, and he said, amen. May your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back the, uh, from Babylon the treasures of the temple and all of its captives. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of of all of these people, the ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war and disaster and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show that he is right. Only when, he, only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, and broke it into pieces. And Hananiah said again to the crowd that had gathered, this is what the Lord said. Just as this yoke has been broken, within two years I will break the yoke of the oppression of all of the nations now subject to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. 
And, that, and with that, Jeremiah left the temple. Now, soon after this conversation with Hananiah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but you have replaced it with a yoke of iron. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I have put a yoke of iron on the necks of all of these nations, forcing them into slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I have put everything, even the wild animals, under his control. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but the people, the people believe your lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You must die. This, your life will end this very year because you have rebelled against the Lord. And two months later, the prophet Hananiah died. Thank you, guys. It's been a good Sunday. Whoa. Whoa. So here it is. It is uh, a showdown of prophets. There are two opposing words, two very distinct words. One is saying, listen, you're getting ready to be hauled into captivity. It's going to last 70 years. The other the prophet saying, listen, yeah, it's going to happen, but it's only going to last two years, and then the Lord is going to bring you back. And so you're, if you're there and you're listening to Jeremiah and you're listening to Hananiah, you're hearing these two opposing words, and you're sitting there, well, I don't know which one to believe. Who, who, who do I listen to? The one that's saying 70 years? The, the one that, that, that's saying two years? How do we know which one is right? That, that, that the king of Babylon is going to come down and, and all of this is going to happen. And, and Jeremiah is saying, listen, go ahead and surrender now. And, and no one wants to hear this. It would be the equivalent of like right now if I got in front of you and said, listen, Canada is going to attack us. <laughs> like, I know. It's Canada, but still, they're going to haul all of us away, and you are going to spend the next 70 years in Toronto making ice cream. Like, that's, that's going to be life. And, and another one's like, no, 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 it's going to happen, but it's only going to take two years. And, and, and you already see things happening. So at this time, like, the king of Babylon is already coming in. Jerusalem is already seeing this happen. And so there, there's this moment of, what is God saying? we got two different prophets that are saying they're from the Lord. There's a, a distinct timeline, two years, 70 years, which one is correct. How can we distinguish the word of man from the word of God? Because on the surface, either one could be true. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. There's another proverb that says, there's a way that seems right, and yet the Lord weighs his heart. Another one, one of my favorites in Proverbs 18, it says this, the first one to state his case seems right until his brother cross-examines him. Have you ever had that, that moment of like, oh, yes, this person, they are right, and then someone says something else, and you're like, whoa, I'm not exactly sure. The first one to state his case seems right, and so you're in this moment Lord, what are you saying? I need to understand your will. Uh, have you ever had this moment, this problem of like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you're saying, but I'm not exactly sure if I'm just listening to the will of the people. I'm not sure if I'm listening to someone else's opinion. I want to hear your voice. I don't even know, like, is it me? The difference between hearing your voice and hearing my desires? No one's ever struggled with that. All alone in the room on that one. 
okay? Y'all just hear the voice of the Lord so clearly. You know the difference. And, and you're in this moment, you're hearing these prophets battle, and you want to know, God, what are you saying? I want to know your will. I want to know your voice. Well, I think this text gives us some insight into knowing the voice of God, knowing the difference between someone else's desires and the desires of the Lord, even between knowing our own and what the Lord is saying. So the first thing, I want to give you three different things this morning. The first one, uh, Jeremiah in verse 6, when the prophet says this, his response is this, amen. May your prophecies come true. I hope that the Lord does everything you say. Do you see how he humbles himself? He humbles himself to the point of, listen, I'm not up here just to be right. I'm up here and I'm saying these things because I'm searching for truth. Jeremiah is saying, I'm searching for truth even if it means me being wrong. Because, God, I want to know your voice. I want to know what truth is. Lord, everything within me, amen. I hope you are right because the truth is it's not about me. He has humbled himself because he is on a quest for not just his opinion. He's on a quest for the truth. The truth. To understand, like, listen, no matter what happens in society or culture or different opposing words, like, I want to know the truth at all cost. To, to speak the truth in love. See, truth is one of those things that, as the Christian, this is a battle for us. Because as a believer in Christ, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we believe that. We believe that, listen, as, as a follower of Jesus, we have a truth that is set in stone. And we live in a world where truth is relative. You could have your truth, and they could have their truth, and, and there could be a million ways to find your way to God. But as a Christian, we say, no, there's only one way, and that's Jesus. And the world hates this. The world hates that there's only one way. But the thing is, even if Jesus would have given us a thousand ways, we would have wanted a thousand and one. We would have wanted a little bit more. Come on, if you would have done it like this, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. There is absolute truth. I am the truth. And so for Christians, this is a little bit difficult because we approach the world who doesn't know truth and we believe that we have the truth because Jesus says it and he is the truth. So like there's this thing that if we're not careful, we could go in with this almost arrogance sometimes of like, I'm right and you're wrong. And the world smells that real quick and it stinks. And, and, And there has to be a truth in love. There has to be a humility that says, listen, man, for the sake of humanity, man, I I want to follow truth even at my own expense. It it doesn't even, like, I will gladly be wrong if this is what the Lord is saying. Because I want to know truth no matter the cost. I remember speaking uh, with an atheist one time, and we were going back and forth, and he, he posed the question, you know, but, but what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And I said, well, you know, right, you're right. What, what if I am wrong? Worst case scenario, I've given my life to love. Amen. I've given my life to following a teaching of a man that said, listen, love God and love others. 
I've given my whole life to follow an idea that life is more, uh, more than just we, what we can see here. And, and even if I am wrong, like, I want to, to die knowing I gave my life to love. Because what if you're wrong? Because for the atheists, your whole life, well, it ends with nothing. And so you've given your life for the cause of nothing. I would rather give my cause and even be wrong for the sake of love. I mean, because what if you were wrong? The implications of that. I spent many years uh, in Southeast Asia, most of the time in Indonesia, and I spent a lot of time as the only Christian, sometimes for miles and miles and miles around amongst Hindus and Muslims. And what I found is oftentimes they would have missionaries that would come in and, and there would be this kind of like, well, we have the truth, we're right, and you're wrong, and we're going to kind of tell you about Jesus. And like, they would get rejected all the time. And what, what I found is, like, the world doesn't love truth, right? And, and so we just think, oh, we could go in and bring the truth. And, but the thing is, the truth has to be accompanied by love. And, and I found it often when I would minister to these Muslims and Hindus, they, they'd be very quick to want to reject the truth that I had to bring. But it was very rare that they would reject the love that I had to bring. So what I would do is say, I, before I even earn the right to tell you about Jesus, let me just love on you a little while. So I found myself after, and it was no quick thing, but after long periods of time, I found myself invited to different meetings amongst Hindus and Muslims and leaders, and I got to speak at Muslim and Hindu festivals, and I would tell them about the love of Christ, and the only reason that they would hear this truth is because they saw the love. And I remember this one time particularly, and I've probably told you this story before, but there was a gentleman and, and see, I, I, I believe, I operate under this uh, idea that truth stands on its own. Tr- truth is truth, and it doesn't need me to defend it. In other words, uh, Jesus doesn't need you to be his lawyer. Like, Jesus can defend himself. Truth will defend itself. And, and so I don't have to get up and be like, no, no, this is why you're wrong. Like, Jesus will show you. Um, and so I, I just believe that all throughout the Bible, all of its teachings and, and the ways of Jesus. And I remember I was talking to this one man, and we were, um, he, the whole shop was uh, Hindu. And we just started talking, and he was telling me, yeah, I, I work seven days a week. Seven days a week and, like, 14-hour days every day. Like, and how long have you been doing this? Years. Years, every day, seven in the morning till nine, ten o'clock at night, every day, seven days a week. I'm like, dude, this is your life. Like, when do you get to do anything? And, and I told him, like, let me tell you about something I believe. I believe that you could actually only work six days a week, and you'll actually make more money than if you work seven days a week. Now, I'm not, he doesn't know I'm talking about the Bible. He doesn't know. And I started, like, I, I, and then I was like, I guarantee you, listen, if you start to take a day off, watch, the shop will do much, so much better. And, like, I ended up talking to the, the owners of the shop and saying, and they're like, no, 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 there's no way. That doesn't make sense. Like, I, 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 I'm just telling you, this principle, it works. And so I said, well, what about this? What if you give him a day off and I will work for him? I'll work all day long. And at the end of the day, if the shop hasn't made as much money, if not more, I will cover the cost of whatever it is. And so there's nothing to lose. Man, let's just give this guy a day off. I'll end up working for the shop, long story short. And then, like, what happened? Listen, it's a principle. 
God calls it the Sabbath. And, and we just talked, and, and later on, the, the conversation turns into, tell me a little bit more about this God. Tell me a little bit more about Jesus. Years go by, we actually got to the point where he says, listen, when I pray now, I'm still not a Christian, but when I pray, I pray to Jesus. Like, baby steps. That's a big step, though. You know? And, and it's, it's this idea of, like, truth and love together. And Jeremiah is saying, listen, amen. I hope you're right. For the sake of humanity, for the sake of love, listen, I, I only want it the last two years. But if this is what the Lord's saying, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not settled for just this desire to be right. I want truth. I want truth. And I think this is effective missions. I think this is effective living. This, this idea that, man, we just seek to shine the light of God. That, that it's this idea that light dispensates the darkness. Did I use that word correctly? That was a big word for me. Dispensates. Close enough. You turn on a light and darkness has to flee. You turn on a light and darkness has to flee. You turn on a light and darkness has to flee. No matter where you're at, in your marriage, in your workplace, with your kids, if you turn on the light, darkness has to flee. When we begin to just love like Jesus loved, when we're no longer worried about our reputation and just be salt and be light. I remember this funny little story. It was actually a, a Facebook post. The, the dad wrote the post. He took a picture, and he said, I was tucking my son in tonight, and he said the creepiest thing happened. Uh, I, I went to tuck him in and uh, went to uh, make sure his nightlight was on, and he said my son looked at me, and he said, um, Dad, could you shut the door so you could let the darkness in? And his dad said, that was the creepiest moment. Thanks, son, for creeping me out. Because there is no such thing as letting it. Like, when you bring the light, darkness has to flee. Darkness has to flee. Jeremiah is doing this. The question I, was asked, I would ask is, do you desire the truth, or do you desire just to be right? If, you're, if, you're, if you just desire to be right, you're following your own desires. Jeremiah desired truth. He was willing to humble himself. He was willing to say amen. The next thing is this. Uh, in ver verse 8 and 9, he says, The ancient prophets who preceded you and me, both of us, they spoke against many nations and always warning of war and disasters and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show that he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. And he's speaking there, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 18. Uh, because in the Old Testament, listen, if you were a prophet and you prophesied in the name of the Lord, there, there was consequences. If you were wrong, you got stoned. If you were wrong, like, there was a price to pay. So he, he's reminding him that, listen, the words that I'm saying, the words that you are saying, when we say, thus saith the Lord, they carry a heavy weight with them. And, and those that have gone before us, they have paid the price for the word that they have spoken in the name of the Lord. And ultimately, it is God who is going to show us who is right. He's saying, listen, 
I don't have to prove myself, but I do have to accept accountability for the words that I'm speaking. You can't just say whatever you want and think there are no consequences. Like, we live in this world, you think you could post whatever you want. You think you could Instagram and Facebook. Like, there are consequences. And Jeremiah is reminding this prophet that, listen, we are speaking in the name of the Lord. Let me remind you of those that have gone before us. Let me remind you of even what has happened to them. And we can't just say what we want because it's our own personal desire. We have got to speak as if we're speaking for God and know that one of us is probably going to get stoned here. That there are consequences. We can't just act like everything is okay. We can't just say whatever we want. In other words, am I willing to pay the price if I'm proven wrong? Jeremiah is saying, I'm willing to pay the price. Even if I'm wrong, I'm willing to pay the price. I believe that this is what the Lord is, is spoken. If you look all throughout history, people who have really made a difference in this world, it's not just what they said, it's that they paid the price for what they said. We look at uh, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, John the Baptist, Jesus. They said things and they changed the world and it was radical but they also paid a big price because the world doesn't like truth. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be one that speaks truth, the world is going to hate you. There's going to be persecution to stand on that rock that says, listen, yeah, there is an absolute truth. The world isn't going to like it. Jeremiah is saying, listen, there's a price to be paid. And so you can just imagine the scene there because... They're there, and, and, and the crowds are watching. The crowds are cheering on. He's saying, listen, it's not about the crowds. Listen, we are doing this for God. We're speaking these words. We need to be careful, Hananiah, of what we are speaking. Because, listen, I'm speaking as one. He's saying, under the authority of God, this could happen to me. Be very careful of all of these people who speak with a whole lot of authority but don't submit to any. Speak with a whole lot of authority but then don't submit to any. Run, run from people who make a whole lot of excuses even after they've been proved wrong. Even after it's obvious that, well, you missed it on this one. See, I, I found that there, there's, there's a lot of people that they'll, oh, this is what the Lord said and prophesy these things. And, and it'll be just obviously blatant wrong. And then there's this reaction that they have to want to prove to the world that actually they were right. Uh, three, three things. One, they want to justify themselves. Well, actually, I was right. And then they twist the narrative to fit their agenda. They'll actually twist the scriptures in the Bible to fit their agenda. We see this with the Pharisees and the Sadducees with Jesus, justifying, putting the man on the cross, breaking so many laws, by the way, of just how they crucified uh, Christ, all because they want to be justified to get their own personal desires. If they're not justifying, the next thing they're doing is blaming. Well, the reason that I was wrong is actually because it was your fault. 
And, and they find a way to figure out why it was your fault. And, 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 and well, it was because you sinned. And because you sinned, there's the reason why the Lord didn't fulfill his words. And these are a bunch of Job's friends that want to sit around and tell him that really it's Job's fault. They don't know what they're talking about. They just need somebody to blame. If there's not something they could justify with, there's something they could blame with. Or if they don't do one of these things, this is probably the most common, is they just expand it. So in other words, oh, we've, we've spoken this thing, we're, we're wrong, but uh, it, it wasn't for right now, it's for later on. 88 reasons why Christ is going to return in 1988. Okay, 89 reasons why he's going to return in 1989. And we just keep pushing it further and further back, and we just expand it. Entire uh, false religions have built upon this idea. Jer- Jeremiah, Hananiah, they have these words. They say, listen, truth will reveal itself. Jeremiah saying, listen, my hope is in Christ, not my own words. My hope is in Christ, not my own words. And I'm willing to pay the price. So he does this. The next thing is this, to be willing to wait. To be willing to wait. The scene it, it, it's a room, the temple is full of priests and people, and Jeremiah has this yoke on his neck, and Hananiah has spoke a com- completely different word. He grabs the yoke off of Jeremiah's yek- neck and just smashes it on the ground and still begins to prophesy, this is what it's going to look like. Now this, I mean, if you were there, this is theater. I mean, this is the original movie. It's like, oh my goodness, did you hear what happened? Jeremiah was doing his thing. The hand and I came in. He took off his neck. He smashed it. It was amazing. It was like awesome. You would be cheering it on. Like, this is theater. This is entertainment. We are glad we came to church today. We are glad we were at the temple because if you miss Jeremiah, Jeremiah was utterly humiliated. He's spoken all his words. He's, he's had his illustration smashed on the ground. And then the scripture says, and with that, he walked away. And with that, he walked away. The rest of the crowd just, Hananiah, you're the man. Yeah, it's only going to be two years, all of that. Jeremiah has been put to shame. As a matter of fact, for 23 years, he's been prophesying these things, and, and nothing's happened. But here's where it's interesting. Is things have started to happen, and Babylon's actually taken it over. And so they can't deny some of the things that Jeremiah has been saying. So if we can't deny it, we could just kind of push it out, and we could say, oh, it'll only be two years. And Jeremiah's like, even in the midst of him speaking these words for all of these years, even when they start to come true, the people still can't hear them. Even in the midst of like their friends being hauled away, they still don't want to hear it. They want to hear what they want to hear. And it's a, it's a scene where he just walks away. We're good at a lot of things. Uh, America, we, we, are, we are a wonderful, wonderful, great nation. We have lots of uh, skills and talents, uh, but one thing that we lack is patience. As a whole, we're not known for our patience. To be able to even be humiliated and to walk away and say, okay, God, it's, it didn't happen in this moment, but I put it in your hands to go, and I'd imagine he's just seeking the Lord. 
God has spoken, and, and I believe he's still speaking. And sometimes he's speaking, but we can't hear him because we've got so much noise in our life. I think to really hear God, you've got to turn down the noise. What a better time during the season of Lent to just turn down the noise, to limit how much you're on TV or social media or all of these things. Because here's, here's the deal, whether you realize it or not, some of us, we've been listening to the noise for so long that we've forgotten what truth sounds like. We've been listening for the noise for so long that we forgot what truth sounds like. You've watched so much news that you don't even know what truth is anymore. You've watched so many soap operas that you don't know what love is anymore. You've spent so much time on Facebook that we no longer know what it is to have a real relationship. We've listened to the voices of politicians when we should have been listening to the voice of God. We've traded the truth for our own desires. We're no longer willing to humble ourselves because at the end we've said if we could just win, that is the greatest goal, even if it's at the expense of what's right and what's true. It's better to have a church full of great theater than a prophet full of truth. I say this because I believe, and I wrote down that we're about to enter, but the truth is I think we're already there. A time when you're gonna hear a lot of prophets battling. You're gonna hear a lot of words that contradict each other. But the prophets of today, we just call them by different names. We call them by media and news and pastors and posts and politics. And some are false and some are real. And it's, become, it's going to become increasingly harder and harder to tell the real deal from what's just a bunch of noise. We live in an age where we get fed what we want to hear. Let me say that one more time. We live in an age where we get fed what we want to hear. And that's, that's, that's not just an idea, that's, that's the reality, because if you go behind the scenes, uh, this, this is public knowledge, um, Google and Facebook, and all, they build algorithms to know what is this person's likes, what are their interests, what are, the, what are their affiliations, what are their, how, who they like on this and this, and then they build their entire feed, they, they build their entire program around a world that's tailored just for you. And these companies are doing this, and America is doing this to just say, hey, we're going to tailor the experience just for you. And then you say, well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is you begin to believe that the whole world is just about you. And everyone thinks like you, and everyone acts like you, and everyone believes like you. And all of your feed reinforces your bad beliefs. All of the things that you just think, oh, this is the, rest, this is the way the rest of the world lives. No, it isn't. You've been tailored fit to a world that looks just like you. So much so that when something different comes along, you can't tell the difference. All you want to do is fight for your way instead of fighting for the truth. Amen. And the truth is found where it's accompanied with 
listen, even if you don't want to hear it, let me love you. Let this light dispensate the darkness. To be a people of faith, of hope, of love. To be a people of light, even if that very light is the light that the world is rejecting. To be a people that humbles ourselves. To be a people that seek truth at all costs. To be a people that says, amen, let it be. Even if the yoke that I'm wearing is the yoke that I don't want to bear. Even if that yoke is ripped off my neck and I'm humiliated in front of the crowd. God, you're worthy. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to ask everyone to please stand to their feet. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The thing to remember is that there is a yoke. There is a price to pay for following Christ. There is a persecution that comes with knowing the truth. There is a certain amount of humiliation that comes with being a follower of Jesus. It means going against the very grain sometimes. It means being light in a world that loves the darkness. I'm asking you to bow your head, to close your eyes. Lord God, in this moment, Lord, as we approach Easter, as we approach resurrection, as we approach this hope <laughs> of you bringing life from death, help us to know your voice, to hear your words, Lord, that when truth is spoken, it, it rings true in our spirits. That we would know the difference between false motives and your word, God. That as all of those warnings that even Jeremiah gave to the people that are for us today, that I mean, there's lots of things that just say, oh, just eat and drink and be merry and it's all good. And Lord God, when you say, oh, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Lord, that you'll heal our land, that you'll bring us home. And Lord, even in the midst of the captivity, Lord God, you'll provide a way. God, that you are the God who works all things for the good of those that believe. Lord, even as I stand here, Lord, I pray that I would be a pastor to this church, Lord, that would speak your truth no matter what the cost. Lord, that this entire church, we would be a people that know your voice. That, Lord God, if I say something that doesn't go along with your word, Lord God, that this entire congregation would be a people that know, hey, hold on, there's something there. I need to get in the word and study that. I need to seek that out. I need to find truth. Lord, may we not be content with just a good show, theatrics, but to know you, the power of your resurrection, and the fellowship of your suffering. Jesus, as a people, we just cry out for you, God. We need you. 
need you, Jesus. You've given each one of us a spiritual gift. We need to be a people that don't just put it on the shelf, but people that use it. Give your people, Lord, wisdom. Give your people discernment. Give your people the gift of healing, Lord God, that we would lay our hands on the sick and they would be healed. That we would be raised with difficult questions and we would just speak words of wisdom just like Solomon did. We pray that. We ask it. We say amen.